You are listening to the Prepared Warrior Podcast, where law enforcement and military trainers discuss cutting-edge training, tactics, and technology. Here is your host, John Wilson. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 4 of the Prepared Warrior. I'm John Wilson. Our guest for this episode is Larry McKinnon. I like to start every episode with a quote. This one is from Tim Kennedy, who said, If the day ever comes that you have to fight for your life, the only thing that will determine the outcome is if you ever trained and prepared for that fight. All right, my guest for this episode is Larry McKinnon. He has been with the Royal Canadian Mounted Police for the past 21 years and a diver with the RCMP recovery team for the past 16 years, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, International Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Federation World Masters gold medalist at Blue Belt and Brown Belt, assistant instructor at Gracie Humaita, Winnipeg. Yeah, that's it. And owner and instructor at Buffalo Jiu-Jitsu. Thanks so much for joining me today, Larry. Thanks for having me. So first, uh, I wanted to talk about, uh, you know, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. It's uh, a big thing for you now. And Mm -hmm. you started training... I heard, I guess, later in life, what made you decide to start training? Uh, yeah, I started training at uh, 35 years old, which is kind of an old man to start. Well, that's my age, exactly. <laughs> I should start now, I guess. Yeah, you should. <laughs> uh, how I started was uh, a friend of mine, his name is Dave. He's a police officer as well. Um, Dave's not a very big guy. I probably outweighed him by about 60, 70 pounds at the time. He says, hey, you want to come try grappling with our friend Paul? And I knew Paul. Uh, so I come down and I try it out and I, and my friend Dave, who I'm much bigger and stronger than, and <laughs> if you just look at us and you had to guess we'd win a fight, it would probably be me, but no, Dave beat me up. Wow. <laughs> uh, and, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't because he was especially good at jujitsu. He was just scrap. He's a scrappy guy. And I, I realized that my size and my weight, my strength advantage is not so much of an advantage because Dave is, he's a very goal oriented guy. Uh, okay. So, so he's actually a very strong purple belt right now. So it was an eye opening thing for you. And then, yeah, exactly. And then I, that got you more motivated to, yeah, it, it uh, at the time I was about 265 pounds and, uh, I kind of realized like I was getting uncomfortable laying on the couch and now I'm getting beat up by my buddy. And, uh, so I started seeing a trainer and the goal was get in shape for jujitsu. Cause I, I hated coming to class. I'd roll for five minutes, take a 30-second break, roll for five minutes, and then I was done for the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to keep rolling, keep learning, keep going. So started losing weight, started eating better, started uh, training more outside of jiu-jitsu, and just got, I just, uh, as I say, I, I got the bug to, okay. to train. So uh, how, how would you describe Brazilian jiu-jitsu as a, as a martial art? Like how is it different from others um, to people who, who don't know much about it? Well, if you uh, if you look at sports like uh, Taekwondo or sorry martial arts like Taekwondo or karate, they're based on a lot of uh, patterns and movements. Uh, but one of the biggest problems with with those martial arts, as well as boxing and kickboxing, is you could learn these techniques, but you're you can't employ them at full speed uh, with a training partner. If you if you're boxing, you punch your training partner in the head as hard as you can, you're going to give him a concussion. And then you're going to have no one who wants to train with you. Uh, and it's the same with Taekwondo. You can't kick your training partner in the head. Uh, but Jiu-Jitsu, because there's no real impacts uh, to your body, it's just joint manipulation, 
um, weight and pressure and, and techniques, you can go like 99% with your training partner. And as long as you're responsible and you don't crank a submission on, and as long as your partner is responsible and knows when he's caught and he taps, no one's going to get hurt. You can you can go 100% against your training partner. Mm. He taps, you reset, you go again. You can't do that with, uh, say, Muay Thai kickboxing because you kick your training partner two, three times, he's not going to want to play anymore. Right. So yeah. I, I think that's where the, the realism for jiu-jitsu comes in because you can honestly see if it works. Uh, and, and we always talk about there's no egos in jiu-jitsu. Like you walk in the room, you know who's better. You know where you fit in the in the food chain. Mm-hmm. And uh, everybody's cool about it. And uh, so you can train as hard as you can. And uh, as long as you're tapping at the right time, you can keep training as hard as you can. So that, that would you say, is the main advantage for uh, learning this in combination with, uh, as a police officer? Yeah, I, I, I never... Like, I was a police officer. I, I started in 1997. Then I started jujitsu in uh, 2010. So for 13 years, I, I just I, all I did was what they taught me in depot. And I came to, after learning some more jujitsu, I realized, man, there's a lot of advantages just just knowing how to apply weight and pressure and angles, just and and, and applying it under like full speed with training partners. Had I known a lot of this stuff back when I first started in policing, I probably could have saved myself a lot of. Uh, a lot of headache, a lot of a lot of um, injury to me and and people I had to deal with, uh, just not knowing how to deal with somebody properly to uh, apply weight to hold them down. Um, if I'd known that back then, I think I would have made my my life a lot easier, a lot safer too. Right. So, uh, can you compare a situation where you needed to use physical force before you started Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and and then maybe a situation like after um, you learned uh, it? Yeah, I, I can remember specific incidences of holding people down, uh, guys fighting. And, and, and quite often when someone's fighting with me, they're not fighting to beat me up. They're fighting to get away because right. they, they don't want to go to jail. Mm-hmm. So I would, I'd hold them down, but I'd, I'd use my arms to, to try to, to, to hold them down. Now, even though I was bigger, my arms are not going to be stronger than their legs, their core, and their arms. Because if they're laying on their belly... And they get their knees and their hands under them. They're gonna, we call it building a house. They're gonna get them under them. And they're gonna stand up, and they're gonna, and then the fight's back on. Then I got to take them down again. And that's from holding them down with just my arms. In jujitsu, you'll, we always uh, use the term heavy hips. So if I just push my hip into them, and I got my head up, my chest up, my hips forward, uh, my uh, knees straight, I'm basically, if you just think about the math of the PSI. Mm-hmm. All my weight is being pushed through a one small spot on my hip. So he's got to deal with all this weight. Um, and again, if I let a guy go to his belly, he builds a house, he stands up. But if I keep a guy on his back, um, it's much harder to get up when you're laying flat on your back. So if I just hold a guy down, hold him there for a minute, two minutes, take the fight out of him, wait for my backup, mm-hmm. then um, it would be a lot less up and down, up and down. Because I, I remember situations of uh, holding a guy down. He gets back up. I sweep his legs, take him back down. And then he gets up again. Right. Now he's getting tired. I'm getting tired. It's just like, okay, who's going to get tired for, more tired first? Right, yeah. Uh, and uh, would you say now, do you have coworkers who see your technique and, and then they um, 
might wonder like, oh, is this a, a more advantageous way to uh, to restrain someone or, or in situation? You know what? I, I, uh, at work, I put up on the bulletin board free training opportunities for police. Right. Um, at Gracie, who might die, I run a uh, law enforcement only class. So the only people in the room are law enforcement, uh, corrections, and military personnel. And I tell them, <coughs> excuse me, mm-hmm. uh, I tell them, class is free. Come on out. You're going to learn some great stuff. Going to make save your life, make you hard to, hard to kill. And uh, a couple guys have taken me up and they've come out. And one, call, one uh, quote I love from one of the guys, his name mm-hmm. is John. He says, uh, after about five classes, he said to me, man, I didn't realize how vulnerable I was. Oh, yeah. So he, he thought that he had all the tools he needed in his toolbox, but he didn't realize that there are better tools to, to deal with people. And, and if somebody has better tools than him, they're going to beat him. Mm-hmm. So, so you think it's good um, for like offensive and defensive things where, where say, you're, you're going after someone, but also if you know, they're, they're coming at you? Yeah, uh, like, like if, they're, if you're arresting somebody, it's not very often that somebody actually wants to fight me to, to, to beat up a cop, quote unquote. Sure. Yeah. It, more often it's try to get away. So uh, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, you got to grab onto them. You got to take them to the ground. You got to uh, apply weight to them and, and pressure to them. Mm-hmm. And then you got to get the handcuffs on them. And you can't just be ripping their arms in, in different directions because when you start um, injury, if you're if you're applying uh, pain to get an arm behind someone's back, they may comply. But if you're torquing their arm the wrong way, like if you're just breaking their arm, oh, yeah. they're going to fight even harder. Uh, so just learning the proper way to to get someone's hands behind their back or the proper way to control somebody. Um, there's, there's so much, uh, your job would just be so much easier. So uh, getting into your, your policing career, well, so where have you worked as a member of the RCMP? We mentioned that, that you do the diving team, uh, mm-hmm. which I, I know there's probably not many takedowns in the diving team, no. but it's a completely uh, different skill. But, but uh, so where has your career taken you? Uh, started in 97. I went to, uh, God's Lake Narrows. It's a small flying reserve, Northern Manitoba. Uh, worked there for two years. Then I went to Cross Lake, another, uh, small, well, it's actually one of the biggest reserves in Manitoba. Mm-hmm. Um, did two years there. Then I went to Selkirk, uh, from Selkirk. I did fly-ins, Barrens, Bloodvane, Poplar River. Um, I did, uh, I did municipal in Selkirk for one year and then the fly-ins for three years. Mm-hmm. Then uh, from there, I went back up north. I went to Norway House, uh, did a year there, then got promoted, went up back to Cross Lake and did three years there. Uh, then I came south and I did uh, three years in Customs and Excise, and now I'm in Federal Serious Organized Crime. Uh, but the, the spots I, I worked up north, they all had between 1,500 and 2,000 prisoners a year. So if you, God's Lake was a five-man spot, Sorry, five-person spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cross Lake was a five-person spot the first time I was there. Uh, it was a third, sorry, thirteen-person spot the second time I went back. Um, but we we were arresting people almost every day. Granted, most of them are highly intoxicated, and they just need to kind of guide them to the truck to get them in. Mm-hmm. But um, the, the there was some level of force. Whether it was they were, I, I had a few fights where they actually wanted to beat me up. Mm-hmm. Um, a few fights, several fights where they're trying to get away. Uh, most of them were just trying to just trying to corral them towards the truck to get them in, right. get them fallen. Um, so yeah, I, knowing the 
knowing the jiu-jitsu I know now would have helped me so much back then with just those high prisoner counts. You just can't argue with when you're arresting uh, over a thousand people in a year, you're arresting like three, four people a day Mm -hmm. on average. So you would uh, advise, especially if someone's early in their career, it might be a, uh, a good skill to learn when you're in a a small community where there's not, you know, not much backup, I guess. Yeah. One of the problems with the RCMP is, uh, there's a lot of situations where members will work alone or they'll, they'll, they'll be alone uh, in their detachment area, but they'll, they'll have backup assigned to them. Mm-hmm. But their backup might be anywhere from five to minutes to an hour away, depending on geographic size. Right. So uh, like a lot of the videos you see on Instagram, YouTube, uh, it, where they're fighting with the cops, if you could just control the guy long enough for your partner to get there, Right. Um, like that's, that's huge. Mm-hmm. So, uh, some of the techniques I, I teach, I, I, I teach a guy to go from a position of advantage, stay there. If you get into a position of disadvantage, like say you're knocked down and the guy's on top of you, how to go from that bad spot back to an advantageous spot and either control the guy or disengage uh, and go to one of your, your tools. Um, I don't teach guys to go to pepper spray in this situation or taser in that situation. You got to follow the rules of your department, whatever they they give you. Right. But I'll give a guy the tools to go from laying on the bottom with a guy on top of you to getting to an advantage, and now you decide what you what you want to do. So you and you mentioned your Instagram and and uh, how you show uh, kind of police training techniques. Um, and that, that's out of, uh, Buffalo jujitsu. So is that where you're an instructor, right? Yeah. So Buffalo jujitsu is not so much uh, location. It's mm-hmm. more of a, an idea, I guess. Okay. Uh, so, uh, I got trained out of Gracie Humaita. Um, mm-hmm. Daniel Cobb's a head instructor there. I, I assist him with some of the classes here and there when he needs, uh, I instruct the law enforcement class on Sundays. Now, one, Problem like I noticed on social media, there's there's lots of videos of real situations of cops getting into scuffles and shootings and and things like that. But there's nothing really showing you in in this particular situation. This is what is going to work for you. Like just like a headlock escape, your mm-hmm. basic. The bully grabs you in a headlock and holds you on the ground. Well, he's going to hold you there as long as he wants, unless you know how to get out. So I'm putting out videos on on the Instagram page. It, it's it's not a comprehensive instructional video, but it's an exposure of what you can do to get out to get out of that situation. And uh, for people who are in the Winnipeg area or, or visiting Winnipeg, I tell them there's free training uh, mm-hmm. for uh, for pol- police corrections, military uh, in this stuff. So I'm just trying to get the get the um, what's the word I'm looking for the uh, get the word out mm-hmm. to other cops. Say hey, there's yeah, we got training in depot. We got training at the police academy. Yeah, but uh, there's more training to be had. Yeah, on your uh, your Buffalo Jiu Jitsu Instagram, you say police defensive tactics will better prepare you to do your job. Training in sport Jiu Jitsu will make you better at police defensive tactics. Can you? I mean, you've you've been talking about how how it is uh, a benefit, but any more elaboration on that kind of oh, s- yeah. specific statement? See, like when I started, I was I started doing uh, sport jujitsu, uh, and that's what I fell in love with. That's my my first passion is the sport jujitsu. Mm-hmm. But there are, are so many um, concepts in sport jujitsu that translate seamlessly over 
to police defense tactics. Um, certain techniques, not so much. So there's a technique called uh, barambolo. It's where you kind of, you roll over your own shoulder and you flip your opponent over and then you take his back. Mm-hmm. That looks awesome when you're doing sport jiu-jitsu. It looks awesome in tournaments. When you land it on the mat with your partner, everyone gives a, a little bit of a cheer because it, it looks cool. Yeah. But you would never do that in police work. I'd never roll over my shoulder if I could avoid it in police work. But the concept of, of let's say, underhooks. Um, in sport jiu-jitsu, you want to get underhooks where I get like my arm under his arm so that his, his arm is going to be elevated. Mm. So that concept is a, is a sport jiu-jitsu technique. You use it all the time in, 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 in numerous positions. But also in police work, if you were going to come at me um, the first thing I do is I get underhooks. That way my arms are under your arms. Your arms are up in the air. You can't reach my gun or my pepper spray. It's harder for you to do, to do that. Mm-hmm. And then I can easily take your back. And once I have your back, it's going to be easier for me to take you down. So that concept you learn in sport jiu-jitsu, it translates seamlessly over into police defense tactics. And when you start thinking about reps, I heard somewhere a long time ago that it takes... Uh, 3,000 reps to make something muscle memory. So I don't, I don't know if that's accurate or not, but it's, it sounds sounds pretty good to me. 3,000, that seems like a lot, but I yeah. mean, I guess you can knock down a few hundred every day. And- yeah, and you know what? And if you're doing it, with, once it becomes that muscle memory, that's when you're not even thinking about it. Mm-hmm. So uh, if I get into a, a situation where I'm having to arrest somebody and we have to fight, because I've done underhooks, thousands of times in sport jiu-jitsu it's just instinct boom i I take the underhooks on him the the person i'm dealing with so if that's where if you train in sport Mm jiu-jitsu those those underlying concepts are going to translate right over into police defense tactics an omoplata uh or a barambolo maybe not is not going to translate right over right they look cool but they're they're just not going to work for police work and how, how important do you think uh, the physical fitness is in relation to police defensive tactics? Uh, that goes right back to when I first started. Because right. when, I, when I first started, like I said, I would roll for two five-minute rounds and I'd be so gassed and I just couldn't keep training. Mm-hmm. So I got in better physical shape so that I could do sport jujitsu more. And uh, I think we, as police officers... Uh, it's our responsibility to be into in a certain level of physical uh, fitness. Um, one of the guys I work with calls it uh, being a tactical athlete. Mm-hmm. If you're not uh, in good shape, then I'm letting if my partner's in a is in a fight with somebody, and I'm too too gassed to fight by the time I get there. I've let him down, and if he gets hurt, I've let his family down, and if that person hurts someone else, I've let the public down, and. If I get hurt, I, now I've let my family down. So there's a lot of people relying on us to be in in a certain level of physical fitness. No one says you have to run Ironmans, but mm-hmm. you have to be in a certain level of physical fitness because it's not just the public relying on us in that specific situation, but how, how are you going to tell your your kids, uh, I got hurt at work and I'll never... I'll never walk again or, or, or whatever the situation is right? because I chose not to exercise and I chose to eat poorly. Right. So it's responsibility of the job essentially. Yeah. 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 And uh, so what would you say is the most important um, uh, lesson law enforcement can gain from 
Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? Um, I think that they can they can learn um, that uh, when you're doing Jiu-Jitsu, you are you're getting into better physical shape. Number one, mm-hmm. uh, you're learning techniques that are going to uh, assist you in, in keeping yourself safe, your partner safe, um, and uh, and the public. Like the guy you're arresting, everyone I've ever arrested, I, I, I don't want to hurt them. I have to get them under control so they'll stop hurting someone else or me, but mm-hmm. I don't want to hurt them. So if you, if you learn jujitsu, you learn uh, proper application of technique and weight, and uh, once you get into that situation uh, of arresting somebody you, and you have those tools in your toolbox, you're just going to be better at your job. And just everyone all around is going to be safer when you're better at police defense tactics. So if you've uh, you piqued some people's interest, uh, what would be the advice uh, for someone who's just starting uh, jujitsu training or a similar martial art? Well, I, I always say that. Actually, I get people asking me, oh, I want my kid to start jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. And I tell them, well, what do you have available? If all you have available is taekwondo in your area, then put him in taekwondo because something is better than nothing. Um, if you have the opportunity to take jiu-jitsu, that's the one uh, I think is going to be the, the most effective for, uh, for uh, your job. So when people ask, uh, when new police officers, I, I tell them, uh, you know what, watch the videos, get a training partner, get somebody like-minded. Yeah, you can't, maybe you don't have a jiu-jitsu gym in your area, mm-hmm. but just some of the things with a partner, you can you can figure that out and, and get a little bit better at it. Um, if all you have is a Muay Thai or a kickboxing gym in your area, take that. Anything is better than nothing. Uh, but of course, if you can, if you have the opportunity uh, to choose, jiu-jitsu uh, would be my first choice, uh, judo, and uh, wrestling, like those are the ones. Those are the ones that go full speed, where you know if it works or not. And what would you say to someone who's who say is just starting policing? Um, what would be some advice just in that uh, some, something for them to think about if they're just starting a career or they're in cadets or something like that? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I still remember a uh, uh, something. My uncle. I had three uncles who were RCMP officers. Uh, something he said to me when I graduated. He said, uh, fear is your friend. If you're not afraid, then you're going to get hurt. If you're afraid, then you're going to be sharp uh, and you're going to be able to uh, see things coming. So that would be like my my best advice. If you start walking in cocky, uh, Mm -hmm. someone's probably going to blindside you. Uh, But if there's a a quote from, um, I think his name is General George Mattis. Uh, and the quote goes, uh, be polite, be professional, but have a plan to kill everybody you meet. Now, as police officers, <laughs> that's not a good quote for us. Yeah. I kind of modified it for myself. It's be polite, be professional, but have a plan to deal with everybody you meet. So when you just, I would tell people, when you meet somebody, just assume everybody has an alternative, ulterior motive. Mm-hmm. Assume that even the, uh, the accused person, he might just want to get away. The victim or the witness, they might want to lie to you, but maybe they're going to be mad at you. Maybe they're going to want to hit you. Mm-hmm. Um, so just as you deal with everybody, just be polite and be professional, but just be um, not fearful, but just just be cognizant that, that 
if like right now, if you wanted to hit me, could you hit me? Mm-hmm. No, we got a table in the way. Yeah. So just, just things like that. Just that, that's going to keep you, give you that reactionary gap, how to deal with people. Cause at the end of the day, if, uh, if the situation goes bad that you're in, um, you, you can, you can explain what you did, why you did, why you felt a certain way. But if you don't survive the situation, then, then there's no explaining or telling anybody what happened. So first concern, a little bit of fear is good. Keep you sharp. Um, have a plan whenever you're dealing with somebody, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but just always have that mindset, that survival mentality. I got to survive. I got to get home to my family mm-hmm. and I got to tell my boss what happened. If it, if I ended up having to use a taser or, or a gun, right. I got, I got to tell somebody what happened. So I got to live. We've, uh, we've talked a lot about kind of use of force situations and, and, are there specific situations you would encourage officers not to engage physically uh, with a subject uh, that they might be considering whether that's a you know the the right idea at the time? Well, your um, your decision to use force that's going to be uh, sole, solely based on you personally. So, if you and I walked into a situation and we're and we're we're um, Let's say there's a guy who doesn't want to leave and he puts up his dukes. He wants to fight. Mm -hmm. So based on my experience, 21 years policing, I've used taser in the past. It's worked very well. I've used pepper spray in the past. It's worked about 50% of the time. I've used my baton. Didn't work very well at all. Um, I've been in uh, numerous um, physical altercations at work. uh, And I've been in probably thousands of... uh, uh, physical altercation is just training just with my training partners right maybe you're new on the job maybe you've never uh had to use the taser yet maybe you've used pepper spray so you're you're making your decision based on what you think i'm making my decision based on my experiences now i might be bigger than the guy so i'm not going to use any tools i'm he puts up his dukes i personally might step in uh grab him put him on the ground and then cuff him Mm-hmm. you based on having we'll call it less tools in the toolbox you may decide you know what I'm going to shoot this guy with the uh, with a taser because that way he's just going to five seconds call it the ride for five he goes down mm-hmm. and then we get the cuffs on so I always tell guys when I'm training them I said I say whatever decision you make whether you keep applying pressure or whether you totally disengage and go to a tool that's your decision completely up to you so I tell guys right up front, I'm I'm not, um, I'm not a taser instructor, a pepper spray instructor. Those are, so you really have to um, think about what are your your assets, and I call it your assets and liabilities. So my assets are, I'm, uh, I'm heavy, 230 pounds, tall guy. Um, I'm pretty good at the jujitsu thing. Right. My liabilities, I'm not very fast, so I'm not gonna. You get a guy who takes off running. Um, I may or may not catch him. So that's one of my liabilities. You might be a fast runner, but depending on your um, uh, lack of fighting experience, that might be one of your liabilities. So I just, I tell guys, take an honest look at yourself. What are your assets, your liabilities? What is your experience? Mm -hmm. And if you get into a a situation where you have to use force, um, you got to just... Be, give yourself that honest no shit assessment of where I'm at 
um, and you, you, and then and just make your decision based on that. Mm-hmm. So would I tell somebody, oh, in this situation, you should taser. In this situation, you should fight. I'd never say that. I'd say, based on your experience, what, what do you think you should do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's, what's most comfortable? And uh, yeah, what are your skills? Yeah. And so would you say martial arts uh, training is prevalent in the law enforcement community? Or I, I know you're always advocating more, but um, do you think it's um, a, a lot of people do it? or? Unfortunately, no. No. Uh, the uh, I, I think that with police officers, you you get your training in your in the police academy and, and depot. You uh, might do a refresher every uh, in the RCMP. It's every three years. Um, there's we're we're kind of given this this idea that okay, what you know, this is like in 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 the RCMP and depot, people come from around the world to see how the Royal Canadian Mounted Police do their training. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of given this this false um, idea that everything you know is good. You took the training here, now you're good to go and, and have a good career of 25 to 35 years. But in reality, um, things are changing all the time. People are, more and more people are training in MMA. Um, so there's a... Uh, there's not enough training. Like the, for for example, if you're uh, if you're doing your refresher every three years, you're not actually getting into a fight with anybody. Like where you're having to f- like really physically arrest somebody and control them. Uh, you're going through the motions of this is what you would do. Then you do then you do this situation. Mm-hmm. So people continue with that false idea that that they're good, uh, but the. There's a few cops. There's a couple cops from uh, Winnipeg City that I train with, uh, Will and Rob. They've trained martial arts for years, and they're very good. And but I, I, I only know a handful of uh, city guys who come train. Like I think I probably know about ten or twelve guys. I think they have over a thousand police officers um, in uh, in the greater Winnipeg area. Um, we must have over 600 RCMP officers just that, that are close to the, to the city. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I only have about 10 or 12 who actually come train. So there's, there, there's opportunity for them to train. They're just not doing it. And, uh, and they've, they've, I guess they've gotten by so far so good right. in, their, in their careers. Uh, but it's just, it has to be more. Like it, mm-hmm. it has to be, uh, I think the RCMP used to do something called uh, French language training. They'd send a guy off to Montreal for six months to learn French. Mm-hmm. Uh, my buddy Paul says, well, they should have sent them to Brazil for six months to get a blue belt in jiu-jitsu because <laughs> I've needed jiu-jitsu far, far more often in my career than I'd have needed a second language. Well, um, that's a perfect uh, spot to end the interview. Uh, I just wanted to, I guess remind people that uh, you're offering uh, free training for law enforcement that's uh, I guess they could what would contact you uh, Buffalo Jiu Jitsu on Instagram or is there um, other ways that uh, if someone's interested they could uh, get involved with that uh, you know what the uh, the best way would be uh, I know not everyone's on social media but right. uh, the best way would be on Instagram at Buffalo Jiu Jitsu on Facebook as well, there's uh, it's at Buffalo Jiu Jitsu as well on uh, on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there'll be a Buffalo Jiu-Jitsu website coming soon. Uh, but you can you can go through the uh, direct message uh, through Facebook or Instagram. That'd be the best way to get a hold of me. If you have any questions about training, if you're if you're just thinking about doing it and you need that little little nudge, um, like I got no problem texting back and forth, phone call, coffee, mm-hmm. just explain the benefits to. If if one cop can train and one cop can say down the road, yeah, I got into a fight and this is what this is how I dealt with it. Like that's that's amazing. That's that would be so satisfying to hear that it, it's working for people. All right, thanks so much for coming on. It's great. Thank you. This has been the Prepared Warrior Podcast. For more info on our guests or other episodes, check out thepreparedwarrior.com. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for the Prepared Warrior Podcast, email J O N at thepreparedwarrior.com.